John chapter 2. And we'll read, we'll read a passage down through, down through this story. So we'll begin at verse 1, read down through, through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place. How many likes weddings? Two of you. <laughs> On a third day, a wedding took place. Where? At Cana in Galilee. Who was there? Jesus' mother was there. Jesus' mother was at the wedding at Cana of Galilee. Verse 2, if everyone could join in reading with me. And Jesus and his disciples. Okay, stop. Who's there? Jesus' mother. Jesus. And who? Jesus' disciples. They'd all been invited to this wedding. Verse number 3. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Verse 4. Everybody. Woman. Whoa. Back up. Start again. Unity is a beautiful thing, folks. Unity in marriage. Unity in weddings. Unity in reading. Let's, let's read this together. There's something about that word together. Everybody to, together. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, mine hour has not yet come. The King James is a little bit harsher in this reading. It says, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Woman, what do I have to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Verse number five. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Who's the he? Jesus. Do whatever Jesus tells you. Didn't reply, didn't, didn't argue with him, didn't, didn't beg him. She, he just turns to the servants. She just turns to the servants and says, whatever he says, do, do it. Next verse. Everybody. Nearby stood six stone water jars. Wonderful. I love the unity there. Good job. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. They filled them to the top. Next verse, everyone. Then he told them. They did so. They did so. Next verse. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. He didn't know that a miracle had taken place. All he knew that he was drinking something there. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the people that knew the miracle took place uh, were the ones that actually filled the pots to the brim, the ones that actually dipped it out and took it, were the ones that were actually serving people. Folks, there's a message altogether in that. The ones that are actually serving uh, are the ones that are eyewitness to the miracles uh, that Jesus is performing right in our midst. Uh, sometimes other people, even though they're recipients of them, do not even realize uh, that it is a miracle. Somebody say hallelujah. Serve, be a servant, be a difference maker. God will change your life in so doing. Only that the servants knew who had drawn the water, only them knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside. Next verse, everybody. 
and said, Most uh, bring out the best first and then the worst, uh, but you've saved the best for last, the King James says. Next verse. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first. Somebody say the first. The first of the miracles of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples, uh, his followers believed in him. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am a disciple. I'm a disciple. I want to serve. I want to see. I want to believe. I want to experience everything that Jesus Christ is doing through me, in me, and around me. Somebody say amen. Just for a few moments here this morning, the friend you need. The friend you need. Everybody needs friends. It's Friends Day. Everybody needs friends. You're not an island unto yourself. If you think you can get it done by yourself, you are completely mistaken, and one day you'll realize that. You're not an island unto yourself. You need people. You need friends. You need others to help you. You need others to minister to you as well. The friend that you need. Need. Let's pray one more time and just ask the Lord to help us and strengthen us and to bless everything done in his house and outside of his house today in Jesus' name. Father, we love you so much. We're thankful for your touch. We're thankful for this wonderful group of people that have gathered today in your house to worship you, to lift you up, to magnify your name. And I just pray that you'd help us, that you'd strengthen us, that you'd help me, God, to, to expedite the time and, and to convey your word in a, in a understandable manner in the name of the Lord Jesus and that you would do what only you can do. You minister to the heart. You minister to the life. You touch and change lives. In Jesus' name, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Could you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise? God bless you. You may be seated. Now, from the start, imagine with me if you will, being invited into a cathedral room in heaven. And of course, the time frame of this meeting would be well before Jesus had robed himself in flesh. The task at hand would be to come up with the first miracle that Jesus would perform while he's on earth as a man in his earthly ministry. What would it be? You, you, you'd think through your mind and you'd try to come up, try to conjure up what this miracle would be. It would need to be a fitting miracle to, to be profound enough, to be awesome enough, to be considered the first miracle performed by Jesus Christ in his ministry. Thoughts could arise, I, I, I assume, that what if Jesus maybe would, would go into a leper colony, begin touching lepers, and then march all of those uh, that were healed, everyone that he touched, uh, back through Jerusalem uh, into the, uh, the priest so that he could announce them clean. That would be an awesome awesome occurrence of a first miracle or, or or maybe your thought would go maybe maybe Jesus could go to a graveyard 
And he would call to people that were following and say, roll away the stone and then possibly call out uh, the name of, of, of one who had died days before, maybe even four days before. Later he would do that for for Lazarus, and, and yes, that seems like a miracle that would be fitting for that first miracle. Or maybe your mind would go to say, maybe Jesus should go to a marketplace. Uh, maybe the pool of uh, Bethesda, where sick folk come, where, where people come daily and are laid there at that pool. Sick people daily, blind, the lame, possessed with evil spirits, all these physical and spiritual needs. And Jesus just walked through and healed them all. Every Every single one. He's certainly able to do that. And this would be an undeniable miracle. The truth of the matter is, is, is God did not ask for our participation in deciding these things. He did not ask for our participation in how he would enter the world. Born of a virgin, born in a stable, no room for him in the inn. Lowly shepherds and some farm animals witnessing the event. And obviously God does not ask us, anyone else, to decide what would be that first miracle that Jesus would perform. But let's solidify the fact that there was a planned time. There was a planned thing, a plan to work after. There was a specific miracle and a specific event. We know that because Jesus said, mine hour is not yet come. Mine hour is not yet come. Now the marriage a marriage feast in the, that day was not like a marriage feast in our day or at least not like any of the marriage feasts or marriage ceremonies that I've been to. When I got married and when I performed ceremonies for, for some of you all we would at most be two days possibly one rehearsal night and maybe a dinner there at the rehearsal and then maybe a 30 minute or, or an hour or so ceremony the next day followed by sometimes a reception with maybe a sit down meal and maybe finger food. There's going to be a cake, possibly two cakes, probably some punch there, something to drink, maybe even a photo booth for guests to keep the memory. But that's usually the way our weddings are. But in that day, they would generally last about seven days. And in the Jewish custom, it, it was the new couple's responsibility to provide for all of them. To take care of everything that was going to take place in that entire week. Everybody that would come, they're, they're getting taken care of. They don't have to bring desserts. They don't have to bring drinks and, and ice and coolers and such. No, everything will be taken care of. Hospitality, hospitality was at such a high level. It showed that, that this new couple was ready to take care of their family. And if they failed at this, at the least, they'd be a social outcast. If they were not ready, if they were not prepared, at the very least, they'd be a social outcast. They, they had to plan. They, they had to save. They had to be 
ready. Now, let's, let's look at uh, why we was there. That's why I stopped and, and pointed out who was actually there. And we said the first thing that the scripture said was who was there? Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Who else was there? Jesus was there. And who else did it say? His disciples. Now, that did not, uh, that was not, uh, that did not exhaust the whole guest list. Uh, but it did say that those uh, were there. Jesus was not there because he was a celebrity. Jesus was not there because he was this popular celebrity. He, he wasn't there because he was a miracle worker. Remember, he has not performed a miracle that we know of that's recorded in the Word of God until this time in John chapter number 2. So Jesus was either friends of the bride or possibly friends of the groom or more likely he was friends of both of them. And that's why he was there. He was there because he was an invited friend. Some of you are here today because you are an invited friend or family member of someone else. You were invited because somebody cared about you. You were invited because somebody likes you, because somebody is your friend. Jesus was at this wedding because he was a friend. And his mother had something to do with helping serve and helping coordinate. She was involved as well with this wedding. So, so when his mother comes and, and tells Jesus they've run out, Jesus says almost rudely, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Woman, what have I to do with thee? And it almost seems rude. They're reading from the King James Version what we read in the NIV is kind of softening it up just a little bit but he looks over at his mother mind you and says woman what have I to do with thee this is not my problem it's not my responsibility he's saying no I've got a plan and this is not how it's supposed to begin mine hour is not yet he says that, and I believe possibly he might have been able to look over and he sees the bride crying there. He sees the groom pacing back and forth as some of us would be when we get in a dilemma like that. And we don't know how we're going to overcome it. We don't know how we're going to get out of it. We were supposed to be ready. We were supposed to have everything in line. We were supposed to be ready for for this but somehow we aren't and maybe Jesus looks over and he sees them pacing back and forth maybe on the verge of having an outbreak with tears and when Jesus saw his friends mind you hurting when he saw his friends in need possibly he put heaven's plans on hold so that he could help his friends listen to me now he's that kind of God 
He's that kind of God. When you've got a need in your life and you don't know which way to turn and you don't know how it's going to how it's going to end up and how you're going to get out and how it's going to be okay. He's the type of a God that will come down and meet you right where you are. That's the kind of friend that you need. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. God's got a lot on his plate. He's the God of heavens. All power is in his hands. He keeps the world spinning on his axis. We don't even think about these things. He's created our bodies. Fearfully and wonderfully made we are. We don't even think about when we take a breath in and then when we exhale. We don't have to think about that stuff. But it happens. And without it, we would not have life. The God of heavens created you that way created you in such a way that is marvelous uh, that is beyond comprehension yet scientists uh, and biologists study it constantly uh, we are fearfully and wonderfully made but when God of heaven looks down and he sees his friends hurting, he'll say, I'll put these things on hold because I have someone that is in need. Folks, you're not an outcast this morning. You're not insignificant. You matter. You are somebody. He, Jesus, is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He's moved by the things that move us. When you're in need, you're not forgotten. He is an ever-present help in the time of need. John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist was the one that proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. It was John the Baptist that pointed to Jesus, He that cometh after me. The, the shoes I am not worthy to stoop and unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Him, John, at the end of his ministry, he said he being Jesus must increase but I must decrease I've got to be less he's got to be more don't look at me look at him he points to Jesus when that actually happened and he starts uh, he stares through the prison bars uh, and he's locked up at the end of his life which is just shortly thereafter him proclaiming Jesus uh, as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins uh, of the world he's there in prison staring through the bars and he sends a couple of his lone followers uh, to Jesus uh, to ask him art thou the Christ or should we look for another John knew that he was the Christ. John himself baptized Jesus with his own hands. It was John that saw the heavens open and the Spirit descend upon him like a dove. And it was John that heard the voice, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. But it was that same John that was down and discouraged and in a prison and stared through those jail cell bars and sinned 
send his lone two disciples that were there to go ask him, is he he or do we look for another? And when they came and Jesus responded and asked a question, not to necessarily those that asked him that came, but he looked unto those that were listening and he asked them a question. What do they think about John? Who was John? A reed shaken in the wind. And Jesus says, there was none greater than John. None greater than John the Baptist. Jesus said he was greater than all the previous prophets. Jesus was saying, listen, don't think bad of John. Don't think bad of John because he got a little doubt in a time of discouragement. Don't think bad of John. He was saying, John is my friend. John's in a jail cell and hurting, but Jesus rose to his defense and he'll rise to your defense when you're hurting. He's the one that will come to your defense. That's the kind of friend that you need. You need a friend like that. Elijah, Old Testament prophet, when he called fire down from heaven and slew the 500 prophets of Baal, heaven had not given rain for some space of three and a half years. By the space of his word is what it said. And then, and then suddenly heaven didn't give rain and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. Go see what you see, what you see, what you see. And his servant came back and finally about the seventh time said, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. Get thee up for I hear the sound of abundance of rain. But in all of this, Jezebel, Jezebel said, I'll kill you. And somehow the mighty prophet, the used of God, the standing on Mount Carmel and, 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 and almost, almost set, uh, making fun of those, false, of those false prophets. Runs for his life. Scared that Jezebel, one woman, was going to kill him. Now, if, if we were God or if you were God, you would, you would probably think, Oh, come on, Elijah. Slap him around a little bit. Come on, grow up. What are you thinking? What are you thinking, Elijah? Because we read the stories and we play Monday, Monday morning quarterback. The game was played on Sunday. And on Monday we said, oh, what they should have done was this and what they should have done was that. And they would have won if they'd have done that. But we say that after the fact. And we say these things after reading these stories. We're not right there and we're not Elijah. So really, you cannot put yourself in that situation. We'd say, come on, Elijah, don't you think I, I could protect you from one woman? That's what we would say, but, but not God. God doesn't chastise him. God doesn't spank him. God doesn't kick him around there. God's got him a fire and a cake. Eat, drink. He shows him a cave. There's this wind. There's this earthquake. There's this fire. And God's not in any of that. But then there's a still, small voice. Another translation says, a gentle whisper that says, I'm here for you, Elijah. I'm here for you. You know what that tells me? In order to hear a whisper, in order to hear a whisper, what do you have to do? You have to listen. You have to get close. If I whisper up here without this mic, you guys aren't going to hear me. 
I'm actually talking right. But you can't hear it. Why? Not because you're not listening. Because you just simply cannot hear it. So to hear that whisper, to hear that still, small voice, you got to be in proximity of that voice. You got to be close enough to hear that whisper. You got to get close enough. So, so in your struggle, in your despair, in your doubts, in your calamity, in your fear, in whatever is troubling you, you've got to know that he's as close as the mention of his name. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll go with you. He's near. You're not alone. He sees you. Somebody give the Lord a hand. There's a story of a house that caught on fire and in the rush, the family's getting out of the house, grabbing the kids, grabbing the wife, and they get out, and it's a mass confusion and chaos going on. And in the panic, they left one of their sons inside. When the father realized, and he's looking at all, and he's, he's out of breath, and he's vanished, and, 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 and you know, smoke everywhere, and fire coming up out of, out of the rooftop and, and such, and he runs back inside and to where he sees the boy that's, that's up on top of stairs and the boy's crying and there's smoke and such and, and the dad yells up to the son he says just jump down to me I will catch you jump down I'll catch you but the child says but I can't see you daddy he said no but I can see you I can see you jump and I'll catch you you may not see God in all this but he sees you in whatever your problem is sometimes it clouds our view it clouds our vision but God still sees you and he's with you that's the kind of friend you need that's the kind of friend you need in 1992 Olympics Barcelona, Spain. Derek Redmond was, the Eng was from England, and he was the favorite to win the 400-meter dash. He seized up in a cramp and falls over. His hamstring had messed him up, and it's obvious that he would not win. But he gets up, and on one leg, he's almost skipping to try to. The race is already finished. He's so distraught and so, you know, he prepared so much for this. He, he wanted to win, but if he couldn't win, at least he would finish. And you can see the video. You can, you can, you can search for it on YouTube. And, and it's very moving and very touching because he's, he's up and he's trying to, he's trying to still run on that, on that one leg. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's just a moving, moving uh, 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 visual right there. And, and then from out of the stands... As he's doing that, out of the stands uh, with, with a, a hat that says, just do it, and, and a t-shirt that says, have you hugged your child today? Jim Redmond comes to Derek Redmond's side. His father was in the stands, but he come down and he pushed his way through and he got down there and, and he put a supporting arm around him and threw his boy's arm around his and he kind of helps him, helps him along to the finish line and they finish together. Listen, folks, when you feel like you can't go on, Jesus is there. He'll come right where you are. When you feel like you can't make it, when you think it's over, 
Jesus will come to you and give you the strength to make it another day. The race is not given to the swift, but he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Jesus is the one that when we're down, he'll push through the crowd and he'll get right beside us and he'll help us run the race. He'll help us finish the course. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Jesus is that friend and that's the friend that you need. That's the friend. That you need. He'll, he'll put heaven on hold to come to a friend in need. He'll be there at your lowest when others run out on you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. When you need encouragement and you don't feel like it's going to all work out. He'll speak to you in that still small voice. When life is spinning out of control and you can't trace him. You got to know that it's in that time that you can trust him. When you can't see him, he can still see you. He's a God that when you can't go on and you're hurting, he'll slip up beside you and he'll help you finish. He'll run with you. He'll be the strength to help you finish. That's the kind of friend that you need. That's the kind of friend that you need. That first miracle at the wedding of Cana, Jesus turned the water into wine. It foreshadowed the first miracle in the church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. These men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day or 9 a.m. But Peter said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he'll be with you. Not just with you, but in you. Not just beside you. Because he was with those disciples for three and a half years. And he said, I've got to go. But if I go away, know that I'll come again. I'm with you now, but I shall be in you. It'll be a comfort to you. It'll be a strength to you. It'll be a paraclete. It'll, it'll be that lawyer in the courtroom for you. You don't have all the answers, but he does. He does. Be not drunken with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And this is the friend that you need.